this is a big thing, not the biggest, but probably one of the biggest things that authors face is they're always comparing themselves to each other. And that's not great because there's always going to be someone better than you. There's always going to be someone trying to rise to meet the challenge that you've put forth. So I think you have to compare yourself to yourself. That's a good comparison. Is what I wrote today better than what I wrote yesterday? And will what I write tomorrow be better than what I wrote today? Or with your book launches, did I sell more with this book than I did with the last book? If I did, what did I do to do that? If I did not, what did I not do? to get me there, to study you versus yourself. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Liz Berry, co-owner of Evil Eye Concepts, the parent company of 1001 Dark Nights and their newest imprint, Blue Box Press. 1001 Dark Nights and Blue Box Press are marketing companies that work to increase best-selling author brands and expand their readership in the romance genre. Since its first release in 2014, Liz and her company have been responsible for selling over 4 million units across all of their projects. Utilizing author-to-author and author-to-reader relationships, along with innovative marketing concepts, Liz and the team will continue to explore cutting-edge ways well into the future to help authors' growth. Liz and her team have worked with some of the most successful romance authors such as Sawyer Bennett, Jennifer Armentrout, Carly Phillips, Jennifer Probst, Kristen Proby, and Rachel Van Dyken. Listen in and hear how Liz has impacted the romance genre and helped authors expand their reach and readership. I know you will take away some great nuggets from our conversation. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the unbelievable pleasure of being with Liz Berry today. She is the co-owner of Evil Eye Concepts, which is the parent company of A Thousand and One Dark Nights and their newest imprint, Blue Box Press. Thanks for joining us today, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's nice. With the pandemic recently, I haven't been able to see you at any events, so I have the pleasure of actually seeing you on video. Our listeners will hear you, but it's nice to see you today as well. Thank you so much. So I want to give our listeners an idea, uh, an understanding about Evil Eye Concepts, which, as we mentioned, is the parent company of A Thousand and One Dark Nights and Blue Box Press. Can you share with our listeners how your company came to be? How'd you get here? Sure. And I should clarify, evil eye concepts does not mean that we are evil. (laughs) The evil eye is a talisman and a protection thing. And we wanted to put our company, when we started it, in a little bit of a bubble where we could have all the happiness inside and the, the good thoughts and the good vibes and keep all the negativity outside of the company. So that's where that came from. We started back in with the germ of an idea back in 2013. My business partner, MJ Rose, and I said, There's a lot happening in the romance industry right now, and authors were not being appreciated, in our opinion, as much as they should be. 
And we thought, could we do something about that? So we came up with the idea for 1001 Dark Nights, which we launched on January the 14th, 2014. And we thought at that time, we'll do one novella every single month. And at the end of the year, we will have cross-marketed all these terrific uh, New York Times bestselling authors. And we will have done something really great for one year with 12 mm-hmm. authors. <laughs> right. It soon developed into something completely wonderful and large and bigger than we could have ever imagined with 1001 Dark Nights. And then in 2019, we approached our then social media manager, Jillian Stein, and we said, we want to expand. We want to add a new imprint. And there's only one person on this planet that we would ever expand with. Would you like to become our partner? So we added our third business partner, Jillian Stein. So it's Jillian Stein, MJ Rose, and and myself, Liz Berry. And that was on January 1st, 2020. And then here we are. Blue Box Press was born. So I guess the talisman has been very successful up until now because for something that you were only expecting to do for one year and here you are going on your eighth, ninth year in doing this, I think it's safe to say it's working thus far. (laughs) It is definitely working. And I think one of the reasons is because we're not afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. We've tried things that haven't worked. We've tried things that have worked, but all the time with every project, we stay innovative and If it works, we are thrilled. If it doesn't work, we learn from it and we keep moving forward. Something that every great entrepreneur needs to know and understand, right? Definitely. Definitely. So what did you do before this? Just to give people a little bit of an idea about your background. What were you doing up until the point where you launched Evil Eye Concepts and 1001? Yeah. So my sales and marketing background has always been there. I studied marketing at the University of Georgia. I studied international marketing in, in Austria. And sales and marketing is always at the core of me. When we started the company, I was at that point working with the International Thriller Writers Association. I had run Thriller Fest for many years, and I was at that point their executive director of the organization. So with that, I also have a foundation with my husband called History Matters. So we've raised an enormous amount of money for historic preservation around the world. And at that time, I I no longer do, but at that time, I was serving on the um, education committee of the Smithsonian Libraries Board. So yeah, staying pretty busy. And I've kind of had to streamline a lot of those things and give up some of those things now because the company's gotten so big. But Steve and I still have History Matters. And after things return a little bit more to normal, we hope to get back out there and raise more money for historic preservation. Fantastic. That's great. That's uh, excellent. And from thriller to romance now, right? I guess you could say. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thrillers are always there. My husband is a thriller author, so thrillers are always in my life, but just on the home front these days. Right. You mentioned how you started out with these novellas, 12 the authors. So for the authors that you guys represent, whether it be through 1001 Dark Nights or Blue Box Press, What do you hope to provide those authors that you represent? What's the goal there for you and your company? Yeah, that's a great question. And I appreciate you asking it because MJ and I spent months before we launched the first book thinking, what can we do? What can we bring to an author? In most of these situations, the authors are either independently published or hybrid, which means that they are with a New York publisher, but also publishing themselves. They don't necessarily need us to publish their book. They know how to do that. And we created a concept that we called innovative strategic marketing. And we kind of, to this day, go into every project and every book with, how can we be innovative? How can we be strategic with the marketing, with the plan? And then how can we also use our cross-marketing 
with other authors to increase everyone's brand. That was the goal. We want to market. We want to spend an enormous amount of money, which we're very proud to do on these books in terms of marketing and advertising and press and all those things. But we also wanted to cross market with their peers. One of the authors cross marketing with their peers. So that's what we wanted to bring them was we want to increase their brands through innovative strategic marketing. Yeah. So I guess the hope is that what you're really doing is by elevating and cross marketing, you're really elevating this whole community at the same time by using a bunch of different names to kind of get the word out there and the, and the marketing strategy there as well. Absolutely. You know, raising yeah. everybody. That's the whole All point. All tides. Yeah, th- yeah that was that's the whole great. point. So can you tell us a little bit more in depth? How does that work like with A Thousand and One Dark Nights? I know that was your first imprint. Maybe you could tell us about that imprint and how that fundamentally worked in truth with that imprint. Absolutely. So A Thousand and One Dark Nights is a little bit of a play off of the Arabian Nights story where Scheherazade told a story every night to the king so that he wouldn't kill her, sadly. (laughs) So we created a time traveler. And we said, what if we had a time traveler? And she's been to, in all kinds of different stories, she's been to all planes of existence. And what if she switched places with Scheherazade? And until she can figure out how to get out of that situation, she has to tell another story every night. Well, that means one night she could tell a vampire story. The other night she could tell a cowboy story. It doesn't really matter what she's telling as long as she can tell a story each night. And that is the foreword to every 1001 Dark Nights novella is that what I just said to you kind of described on a couple pages that MJ Rose wrote. So each novella becomes a standalone romance story within the author's world, within the author's series, and it has its own happily ever after, its own HEA. So you can view it as an audition of sorts for readers to try an author maybe they haven't read before. And if they like the story, then the idea being this is part of a series. They can go and read the back list. They can read the front list and pre-order it. And everyone's kind of lifting up. It's very thought out and methodical. I guess that comes from your marketing background because it's very, like I said, methodical in such that you're giving the reader an opportunity not only to hear and read about this one particular, but you're really opening their gates to everything else this author has really done and really getting them a heck of a lot of exposure in the process, I would imagine. Yes. And for readers in in this market, it's inundated with stories. There are so many books available that it can be overwhelming as a reader to know where do I start? Who do I read? How do I know that it's going to be any good? You know, I'm putting my hard-earned money down. I want to get value back for that. So you can also see A Thousand and One Dark Nights as a vetting process where readers trust places like Goodreads, they trust certain bloggers. Now, hopefully they trust us as well. And if you see our logo on a book, even if you've never heard of the author, you can say, I like what the synopsis is saying. I'm going to give this a try because A Thousand and One Dark Nights never lets me down. They always give me a great story. Yeah. It gives the reader also, I guess what you're saying is like a way to dip their toe in, see if they have a good fit with that particular author. And then if they do, they could really dive in and read everything that author has to offer. And if not, they basically nothing ventured, nothing lost, so to speak, because they only invested that one 
opportunity in learning about the author too. So it gives a lot of exposure. It and does. Then, like you said, the reader doesn't have to dive in and buy X number of books until they know that they really feel like an interest in diving further. That's correct. And with the price point at $2.99, it's certainly still money, but we felt like it was a more manageable amount of money for a reader to spend to take a chance. And the novella length ha- helps with that as well. So it's a little bit shorter format and a little bit less money than a full-length novel. So, But you still get that satisfaction of a happily ever after. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, your newest imprint, which is Blue Box Press, can you maybe share with us, how does that differ from A Thousand and One Dark Nights? And are there similarities there? And what is that imprint all about? Sure. The thing with A Thousand and One Dark Nights is each author cross markets with each other with these novellas throughout the year. And they are novellas, but it's certainly under the same umbrella. Blue Box Press came about because we had a lot of our authors reach out to us and say, listen, we'd love to maybe do a a full length novel with you, maybe a, a two to three book series or duet or something like that. How do you feel about that? So we had to kind of think long and hard. Are we able to offer that? Are we able to deliver what they're looking for? And we came with the decision that yes, we are. That's when we approached Jillian because we knew we were growing. So with having three partners, it really worked. With Blue Box Press, the idea is to take each author individually, study their brand and define how we can innovate within that brand to raise their market share and to raise their sales and to raise their brand in every aspect of their brand, so to speak. So Blue Box Press is a little bit different because it's per author, per brand. And we're focusing on that to raise their market share. Whereas with A Thousand and One Dark Nights, it's a group of authors that we're raising, cross-marketing and raising all together. Right. So, I mean, is it safe to say that A Thousand and One is really like going a half an inch deep and 10 miles wide? Because as far as in terms of the number of authors that cross-pollination and Blue Box Press is really more like going a quarter inch wide and 10 miles deep and going really more for a deep dive for that author and really uncovering how they can benefit and drive in a longer format for them, essentially. Yes, I'm totally stealing that from you. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. Yeah, that you there nailed you it. There you go. You can license it. I have no problem with that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so basically now you're almost at each end of the bookends. Yes. No pun intended. Well, maybe pun intended. Little. As far as the full length and then the novella and really everything in between between these two imprints, if you will. No, you're absolutely correct. And with the half inch and the miles wide and deep and all that, you can see that also in how many books we're publishing through each imprint. A Thousand and One Dark Nights is typically somewhere between 18 to 24 books a year. Blue Box Press is much less. It'll be somewhere between 8 to 12 books a year. So that goes completely right hand in hand with the analogy that you used. Right. There you go. And recently, I know that Blue Box Press had author, your author, Jennifer Armentrout, hit number one on the USA Today bestseller list. Can you share when you see that happens with an author that you're working with? What does that mean to you guys, both you and the team? Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, to be the number one book in the entire nation, I can't even describe how that feeling was. And not just for myself and MJ and Jillian, but we have a terrific team. And that gave us the opportunity to shout all of them out and say, look what you did. You did this. And of course, for Jen, she already was the number one New York Times bestseller, but he never gets old. So... To be number one on the USA Today bestseller list, which is all books in the country, whether it's nonfiction, fiction, children's, it doesn't matter. To be number one in that whole list, that was a first for her. We were just over the moon. And again, for our team, this series has been incredible because you're witnessing a lightning strike. 
series. It doesn't happen very often, but it is what we're seeing with this one. People have just reacted to it and fallen in love with the characters and they can't get enough. Knock on wood. Thank goodness. (laughs) There you go. As far as you and your team, do you give credit or credence more heavily to one bestseller list over the other? Is there one a higher attribute to reach than another? Or is it like, hey, if we hit a bestseller list, we're we're golden. We love it. Well, I mean, I think in, in this climate, in this day and age, bestseller list, I mean, to hit anything is just, wow, phenomenal. I will say that the USA Today bestseller list, because they are taking all books, they don't break it down by genre. They don't break it down by fiction versus nonfiction. It's pretty incredible. Even to be in the, the top anything on that list, to right. be even on that list, because they're not saying, okay, this is the bestseller list for hardcover fiction or paperback fiction or young adult versus adult. No, they're saying Dr. Seuss is with you. It's Dr. <laughs> Seuss and the nonfiction cookbook that just came out and the adult thriller that just came out and this fantasy romance. So that's unique to their bestseller list as opposed to most others. They have different categories for their bestseller lists is what you're saying. That's correct. Yeah. USA Today puts everybody together. Is there some art to timing the release of a book based upon that? Or is it you really can't do that because there are so many books being released on a regular basis? Yeah. Once upon a time, that was really (laughs) a huge thing. And jockeying for position, like you always knew. I remember Sue Grafton always came out the first Tuesday in December. And I remember J.R. Ward would always come out in you know, March or April. You would know John Sanford would come out here. You would kind of know when people were releasing and you would plan around that. You try a little bit with that. But for us, it's more about the author's schedule, quite frankly, and their writing right. schedule and what works best for their schedule, for our schedule, and for the readers. So I'm sure there are many New York publishers who still do exactly what you said. But for us, it's just a little bit slightly different. We're working more around the writing schedule. Yeah. I mean, is there a, uh, like a bona fide list for your industry where you can see what's coming out when, or is that not even a thing? I think there's some behind the scenes things that (laughs) that go like that. There's nothing official. And I certainly there's New York houses that have a lot more information than I do. Right. Well, if they probably all, you know, they know their own right off the bat, exactly, which is a huge benefit to them. For those not familiar with behind-the-scenes aspects of publishing a book, right, whether it's somebody who's a writer or just somebody who's a reader, what are some things that would be interesting or important for them to know that kind of happens behind the scenes that you'd say, hey, I never really even thought of that, or I can't believe that happens even? Right. I think the most important thing to remember when creating a book from start to finish is that everyone has an important part everyone's playing their part. So you have to do your part and do it when you said you were going to do it. So that starts with, of course, the author gets the idea is writing the book. While that's happening, the publisher is dealing with creating the cover, putting the book up for pre-order, getting everything ready on that end. Then it's an often collaborative effort to some extent with the author on a lot of things. For example, I was just on the phone before our call with Jennifer Armentrout and she's plotting a book. And so we were talking about the plotting and she said, here's my idea. What do you think about this? Do you have any other ideas that you would like to see? So that's happening all the time. Then of course, there's the editorial team, such a huge, huge group of people who are so crucial to everything that goes with the book. So that's your content editor, your copy editor, your proofreaders, 
Then you have your formatters, the people who put the book together to make it look like what you see. Then there's dealing with the retailers and how do we deal with those and making sure that we're going to have some great representation on the different platforms of retail. The cover designer, of course, is huge with that. Then are you going to do some marketing? You got to book it with all the advertisers. You got to make sure they have the date. You got to create the ads, run the ads. And then if you do something like an influencer box or something like that, you have to source all of that merchandise. You have to buy the merchandise. You have to brand the merchandise, put it together. You've got your publicist who's reaching out to media platforms all the time, trying to get the author in front of as many media platforms as she can. So there's a lot, lot that goes into it. And that's all before the book goes up for sale. Everything I just said, (laughs) that's all before the book goes up for sale. So once the book goes up for sale, then there's a whole other host of things of keeping the marketing going, make sure you're checking it with social media. What's going on? Are we, you know, is something organically building? And if it is, how do we capitalize on that and promote it to keep the tail very long, to keep everything flowing? So yeah, sorry, that was a long tangent. (laughs) No, I think that you bring up some great points. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that I know a lot of this kind of that happens behind the scenes, if I didn't and I was just a reader or even somebody who was embarking on the writing process, I would probably take a double look because I wouldn't have realized how much is in, involved in this process. And I think the way I like to put it, and and I guess the analogy that I use is, What you're doing there and helping that author and what the author should and needs to do is not much different than what we do with clients here at Midland Financial with people in their financial life, right? We talk a lot about having a financial plan. You can't just go out and save money and expect that without knowing how much you need to save, where you should be putting it, that you can't expect to show up at retirement and be there ready to retire and have that income replaced. Mm -hmm. Same thing with this, you know, with the process with a book, you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to be an author, write a book and expect that you're going to be on the best selling list or a best selling list. It's something that has to be planned and methodically mapped out. Like you just mentioned. And that takes probably just as much time as the author takes writing the book, I would imagine, in a lot of cases. Yes, I think absolutely. But if some of your listeners are aspiring authors or they are authors, the number one thing I hope that they would remember is they are the only ones who can write the stories. Right. That's it. They're the only people who have the stories in their head. All of these other things that I said can be done by other people, can be done by a team. If you're independently publishing, that's great because it's all you. That's horrible because it's all you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you are the intern and the CEO. Right. I've often said that about, about what we do here because we're such a small company. But yes, I think if you're an aspiring author, if you are an author, you're the only one that can write the stories. The rest of this can be hired out, you know, found you can have a great team, put some things together or a publisher that can do things with you. So don't get overwhelmed. Just write the book. Right. And then work. You could always get a good team to take care of the rest, I guess, or individuals even. So in the authors that you work with, you obviously work with a lot of authors in this space between the two imprints. Are there specific qualities or traits since you started in 2013 that you've looked for in the authors that you've brought into your brand? What are you guys looking for or what have you looked for up until this point with your brand? So I wish you could talk to me back in 2013, because this is kind of what those conversations looked like. We took all of our favorite authors in the romance genre, and most of whom are probably all of whom we were friends with. And the conversation was something like this. 
So I don't really know what this is going to be, and I don't really know what this looks like, but could you please just write a novella for me? And that's all I got. You know, <laughs> and we'll spend a lot of money marketing it. So it's and we're going to be done in twelve months, right? Anyway, yeah. Right? So it started gonna... back then, and it still is today with authors whose stories we love. That's above all of it. I fangirl every single day. The fact that I got to talk to the, one of the best-selling authors in the country a few minutes ago and talk to her about the plot that she's working on. And she is listening to me for feedback as a fan. That is huge. I mean, just being able to read a book early is huge, (laughs) but to have, you know, be a part of that and be able to work with the authors. That's, it's such an honor and it's such a privilege every single day. So I think number one is that we must love their stories. And then the other thing, so that's half of it. And the other half is, can we help them? Can we increase their brand or do we think we can increase their brand through our innovative strategic marketing? Because sometimes you can't. Sometimes, you know, we just can't find that hook. We can't find that way that we can help them. And if that's a conversation that we have, we agonize over those decisions. But if we truly don't think we can help, then that's not fair to the author. So I think the half of what we're looking or doing is loving the author and their stories. But the other half is, can we do something to help elevate their brand? If we can't, we're honest with them and honest with ourselves. Yeah, I think those are two excellent criteria, right? It allows you to really pursue those authors that you guys are interested in, right? And number two, I think what you're talking about in terms of being able to help them is something we talk about here all the time, which is fit. We always talk about, is there a fit? Because we don't want to, which I think is what you're saying also, you don't want to just work with an author. We don't want to work with a client once and be done. We want to be able to be in a position where we can add value to them over a long period of time. In our case, we hope to work with them for many generations, multiple generations. Right now, we're working in some cases with the second, third generations of our clients And you want to make sure that the problems they have or the issues we can solve. And in your case, you want to develop their brand and deepen it. And you want to be able to make sure that they're going to benefit from the relationship and you as a company are going to benefit as well. So it creates this win-win situation for everybody, which I think is great because there are a lot of companies out there that will just simply take somebody on because they're going to get paid to do it. And there may not be that fit. And I think having that fit is just so much more beneficial to you, more beneficial to them and vital to the long-term success of your company. And probably one of the reasons why we're talking about you being around now eight, nine years later, instead of just doing something for a year or so. Absolutely. Yeah. We have, there's a lot of similarities between your company and my company and for all the reasons that you mentioned, but most importantly, it just has to be a good fit. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. So if I'm an aspiring author, and I think you gave a little bit of a snippet before with regard to just write, it's important because you're the only one that can do that part. The other parts, we can get other people to take care of the marketing plan, the publishing, and and all the other parts. Are there other pieces of advice, if I'm an aspiring author, that would be important to me to know in order to move on and get my books out there and be successful? I call it from moving from like the hobbyist part-time author where it's a side gig to moving towards that full-time writing, full-time being an author. 
Yeah, definitely. I was reminded of a conversation I had once with Dylan Allen, who's a terrific author. But we were talking about the next 18 months of her career and strategy and all these different things. And we came away with three things that she wrote down on a post-it and she said she would keep it on her computer. The first one was compare you to you. This is a big thing, not the biggest, but probably one of the biggest things that authors face is they're always comparing themselves to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's not great because there's always going to be someone better than you. There's always going to be someone trying to rise to meet the challenge that you've put forth. So I think you have to compare yourself to yourself. That's a good comparison. Is what I wrote today better than what I wrote yesterday? And will what I write tomorrow be better than what I wrote today? Or with your book launches, did I sell more with this book than I did with the last book? If I did, what did I do to do that? If I did not, what did I not do to get me there? To study you versus yourself. Also, if you're writing different series, the same applies. If you're writing a a paranormal series and a contemporary series, you can't compare the contempt to the paranormal. You have to compare you to you within the same genre. And I think that's for any author, including my husband. You know, Steve's a thriller writer and he's great. He's been around a long time, but he's still, that insecurity rears its ugly head sometimes and it's a vulnerable position to be in. So just compare you to you. The second thing is don't write by committee. (laughs) And I'll explain (laughs) what I mean. Right. As authors start to have more success, that means they're going to have more reviews. They're going to have more beta readers. They're going to have more social media followers. They're going to have more team people, you know, people on their team. And I've seen it a lot in it. It's really upsetting in some ways where they start to listen to all of those voices telling them what to write and how to write and what to write and how to write. And their stories become so far from what makes them special and their story special. Because they're writing by committee. Right. It's not good advice. And it goes back to what I said earlier. You have to write the stories that are in your heart, in your head. You're the only one that can tell those stories. So just don't write by committee. I could go, I could talk for an hour on that because it breaks my heart when I see authors do that sometimes. They just go on this off the deep end of this <laughs> diving It doesn't board. come through as authentic. It doesn't. Because, it uh, doesn't. It's not all their voice, right? It's not their voice. Also trying to write what you think will sell. That's about the worst possible advice anybody could ever give anyone. Because what you think, first of all, you're wrong. What you think is going to sell is never going to be what sells. But number two, you're already too late. If what's selling right right now is what you start writing, by the time time you finish that book, it's not selling anymore. So write what you love, write what's in your heart. And then the third thing is that consistency is key. I'm quoting my husband because if he hears me, he'll say, you know that that's my line, not yours. (laughs) He always says, writing is a discipline. It's not an obsession. Establish your discipline and be consistent with it. Consistency in publication, consistency in writing, consistency in schedule. It's a huge thing. If you are a spring and a fall book and you do two books a year, stay in the spring and the fall. Give your readers what they're expecting. Don't do a spring, spring, fall, then summer, then skip a year, you know, then you're all over the place. Figure out how to give the consistency to your readers, consistency with your writers, I mean, with your writing, consistency with your schedule. Yeah, I think those are all great points. I have one question for you on this topic. Yeah, How important to, or do you think it is important, and this might kind of blend in with the whole writing by committee, I don't know. Do you find that having mentors in the author community is important and and key to being helpful to your career? Or does that kind of muddy the waters with the writing by committee component? I think that's absolutely necessary if you can find a mentor. But here's my advice on a mentor. Never listen to anyone who isn't where you want to be. Right. That's 
I've seen people fall down that pit many times. So if you're listening to another author, my advice would be don't listen to someone who isn't where you want to be. If you mm-hmm. can have a mentor like that, that's everything because they've already skinned their knees. They've already fallen in those potholes. They know where to tell you to avoid. I've been in the book business since 2005 before there were eBooks. I mean, I remember right. early contracts were any other format. This is what you get paid right. because there was no mm-hmm. eBook. I remember the e-revolution coming, but along the way, my husband and I were been mentored by some incredible authors, both in the thriller world and on the romance side for both of our different businesses. And they are so giving and so wonderful to advise. And it doesn't have to necessarily be an author. We've had some great people who are in the industry who have also advised us. But again, we're not listening to anyone who is not where we want to be or at the publishing level of what we can respect and admire. Yeah. And I think that's true in any business, right? If you're going to find a mentor, whatever your business is, whatever it may be, you always want to look for somebody who has already made it to the place where you want to be. So the whole idea would be that you're benefiting from their lived experiences. And and like you said, the knee scrapes along the way, because as an entrepreneur, as a writer, it's very similar. You're going to have those events along the way. So listen, what has this journey taught you? I mean, again, I feel like we're a little bit of a broken record here in terms of you started this thing in 2013 with the whole goal of thinking it was going to last a year and now you're here. Obviously, there have been some life lessons and business lessons along the way. Can you share a couple of those with our listeners? Sure. I think probably you already would have guessed this one, but I've definitely learned or reaffirmed in my heart that there really is no I in team, particularly in the publishing industry. It's such a team, a team endeavor. And the author is part of that team, but the best authors I've ever worked with realize that they are part of a team. And they are so grateful and respectful to everyone in that, in that organization or in that grouping. So that's a huge lesson that I've learned, but it's also been reaffirmed for me. The personal lesson that I've learned in the last few years is that I really, really enjoy lifting others up. I, I love it. I love it lifting authors up. I think it's just such a cool job. I often joke around that I like to be the wind beneath your wings. I don't want to be the wing. I just want to be the wind. I prefer (laughs) to have a little bit of a kind of a backseat, quiet, not in the spotlight position. But if I can do what I do and it puts that author onto the pedestal that they deserve to be on, I've done my job. It's the most gratifying thing, probably other than, you know, my family and (laughs) having a baby and all this. You can sit back and say, hey, I helped do that. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just to watch them shine. You know, authors, it's a lonely job. It's a lonely job. It's sometimes very disappointing. It can be heartbreaking at times. They're putting their stories out there. They're so vulnerable to put it out there to the world. And if I can be a part of the positive feedback that comes in there or or helping them lift their brand, help more readers find them, help them feel like the treasures that they are, I've done my job. Yeah. You want to be part of the happily ever after, Totally. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) So what is up next for Liz Berry and Evil Eye Concepts? So I'm editing like a crazy person. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's been wild. Our 2022 and 2023 schedule is really packed, particularly 2022. and, And we're really into 23 and some into 24. We're packed with great content. Blue Box Press and A Thousand and One Dark Nights are just looking fabulous. So I'm kind of the editorial director of the company. So that means a lot of editing for me of some terrific stories. 
I'm also super excited that our event that we co-host with J.R. Ward, Readers on the River, is going to be back in 2022. Nice. In the fall of 2022, we'll be announcing more of that soon so people can follow along and see that. So yeah, Readers on the River coming back, really being in person with our authors it's a huge thing for MJ and for Jillian and for myself. Just, I just want to be with them. I want to hug and <laughs> just have a great time together and be with readers again. That's great. You have some great stuff coming down yeah. the pike. That's for sure. Definitely. And, uh, I love the planning. I love hearing that there's a plan out two and three years because that's key to any business, any life, any retirement plan. You have to have the plan and actually have a roadmap to execute on. So uh, I commend you for that. So Liz, it's been a great time thus far. We end every show by asking each of our guests the same question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I love that you asked this question. It's right up my alley. And I have a perfect story. This morning I was walking. I, you know, I walk in my neighborhood a lot. And I met up with one of my girlfriends who was walking her Great Dane. So if you, I'm 5'4". Big dog. Yeah, I'm 5'4". <laughs> and this dog is comes up to, you know... My shoulder. I mean, it's a very large animal, the sweetest dog. So we're walking and we saw another one of our friends who was walking her very small dog. So we stopped. The Great Dane sits. We're like, we'll just wait. And the small dog was enamored with the Great Dane. (laughs) And I watched as this gentle giant allowed this tiny little dog to sniff all around you know, the Great Dane, she laid down on her tummy so that the other dog could get to, and then they were friends yeah. for like 15 minutes. We just stayed and watched <laughs> this interaction. And I think it was this little budding friendship between this Great Dane and this small, small dog. That's what it's all about, right? I mean, right. the analogy of how you can relate that to your own life in so many different ways. It was inspiring. It put me in the best mood for today. It certainly brought joy and um, hopefully it will for some of your listeners. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I thought that was going to go in a different direction, but I love the way that the the story ended for sure. So listen, we will have all your contact information and information about Evil Eye and 1001 Dark Nights and Blue Box Press. If people want to learn more about what you're doing as a company and see it for themselves, we'll have it in the show notes, but how do they look for you? Yes. How do they find you? So they can find us online, 1001, so 1001com or, and theblueboxpress.com. All our social media links are there. Our newsletter subscriptions are there. Um, that's how you can really keep in touch with us. Our newsletter is the best way, but certainly follow us on all the social media platforms. Check out our website and new releases coming all the time. Great. Thank you so much, Liz, for joining us today. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time and make it a great day. Thank you so much. I want to thank Liz Berry for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Liz has taken her passion for reading and created it into a great business that helps both authors and readers. It is no surprise that the company she founded has sold over 4 million units. Liz is there to help authors expand their footprint and help them gain exposure to new and old readers alike. Liz can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. 
We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.